we are the world's oldest democracy. Did you know that? The United States of America, as young as we are, we're the world's oldest democracy. And a lot of us give credit to our founding fathers and their genius with the Constitution. And there seems to be some belief in certain circles that it was, like, handed down by God and uh, infallible, like they uh, talk about with the Pope. Um. But could you do a little tweaking around the edges of the Constitution? I find that a fascinating conversation that I know our friend Tim Sandifer has engaged in many times over the years. Well, certainly a mechanism exists within the Constitution to amend itself. So, obviously, we agree. Sometimes it ought to be amended. Uh, Tim Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute, just took part in a really interesting-sounding exercise with some other thinkers that he's going to tell us about and we'll jaw about a little bit. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Quick, easy question. Is the Constitution perfect as is? No, and it wasn't perfect when it was first produced. Uh, obviously, because we've had all those amendments America since. hater! America yeah, hater! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, this, uh, what was this conference you took part in? It sounds fascinating. It was, and I was asked to participate in a project with the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia with a group of other uh, law professors and lawyers to, well, it was a two-stage project. The first thing we did was we divided up into teams and proposed brand new constitutions. We wrote our own versions of, of what we would like to see as constitutions. I'll, so bet your had, I'll bet yours had more Star Trek references than most. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. No, it it was, uh, there was Team Conservative, Team Progressive, and Team Libertarian, and we uh, I was on the libertarian team and we proposed our constitution that was a couple years ago this time around we kept, we all of us got together and we hammered out proposed amendments to the existing constitution that we could all more or less agree on all three of these teams and so we came oh. up with five proposals well so no so all three teams agreed on these five proposals more or less. There were okay. uh, there were some dissents. In fact, I disagreed with one of the amendments when we were finally finished. But we did a pretty good job, I thought, of coming up with some. You know, they're not they're not huge things, but they're simply they're important things. Well, let's hear it. Well, I, well before we one, get there, if you don't mind terribly, um, so like, how many did each team produce that ended up getting rejected? Uh, well, there was one lengthy uh, effort to change how the Senate operates change the apportionment of the senate and everything and libertarians and conservatives were opposed to that and so that got thrown out and okay. you know a tri- and a redistricting and things like that and we were opposed to that and an effort to create a bipartisan commission and i personally don't think the constitution should make any reference to con- to political parties at all i think that's a dangerous step to take so we we rejected that but we agreed on eliminating the natural born citizenship requirement for the presidency hmm. for example we you know it's silly that that you have to be born within the united states when you think that a lot of our best citizens have been immigrants to this country so instead of saying a person has to be 35 years old and born here why not make it that you have to be a citizen for a certain amount of time well, i i suggested 35 years we narrowed it down to 15 years be, be, a, be a citizen of the united states and live in the united states for 14 or 15 years, and you can be president of the United States. Well, what was the original concern of the Founding Fathers with that anyway? Well, they were concerned about people coming to the United States from foreign countries and getting a large following and then taking over the machinery of government, which was not at all an unreasonable worry in the early United States. There were some very weird efforts to, like, you know, the Burr conspiracy to separate the western states and, and declare their independence from the eastern states and all these sorts of things that went on in early America. 
And so it was legitimate for them to be worried about that at the early stages of our democracy. But we're so stable now that that seems a less likely concern. Right. And just making sure somebody, you know, has, has been a citizen for a long time should be good enough. Well, welcome a Manchurian candidate then. All right. Or, fine. <laughs> or uh, all hail President Schwarzenegger, if that's what you want. But go ahead. <laughs> Another one is is to change how the 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 term impose term limits on justices of the Supreme Court. Instead of it being you serve for life, basically. I mean, the current Constitution says good behavior, which means the only t only way you can get rid of a Supreme Court justice is impeachment or if the person dies or resigns. And instead, we suggested how about making it that uh, they serve staggered eighteen year terms, Love so that, that a certain number of justices is leaving the court and being replaced. Not in not not in sync with the new president because you don't want to make it so that your entire legal system changes every time somebody right. gets elected to office. That mm -hmm. would be a, a disaster. But instead, stagger it, but make it long and stable so that you have a turnover in office. That seems legitimate. Hey, just out of curiosity, I have friends who range from geniuses to halfwits, um, and I. <laughs> which one? Which one am I, Joe? <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I. I don't recall running into anybody who was staunchly opposed to that proposal as that sort of thing gets kicked around. Tim, do you know a lot of thinkers who think, oh, no, no, we've got to stick with the lifetime appointment? I don't think there's anybody who's, the, who's of that view, but I do think people are worried that fiddling with how the Supreme Court serves opens the door to things like court packing and, and, and coming up with a system that would make it overly political so that, you know, Republicans get elected and, oh, and completely overturn the Constitution or Democrats get elected and completely overturn the Constitution, which has been tried in the past. And that, so we want to come up with a system that avoids those risks. But no, I don't think anybody in principle thinks that it has to be, you know, lifetime appointments, but we do want judges to be insulated from the political process. That's very important, to be sure. stable so that they can impose legal restrictions on politics. What the Constitution does is it imposes restrictions on democracy by making democracy abide by the law. That's a very unusual thing, and that's very important to preserve. So that's that's our main concern. Well, so the, the, I, I think what most people hate is just the randomness of it, the idea that yeah. three people kick it and Trump gets to appoint them, and if they don't, nobody, he gets to appoint nobody, you know, seems weird. But aren't you going to end up with, even if you stagger it, won't you basically have Supreme Court justices on the ballot then when you go to vote for president? The candidate that says, is, here are the two people I'm going to appoint, and, you know, I in the year 26. So. Yeah, I think so, but I, I think that's already the system. I mean, when tr one of the main reasons why people voted for Donald Trump was because of the Supreme Court, and they, they knew that justices were getting old and were likely to die in office, and they wanted a Republican uh, in there who was going to appoint justices that they'd agree with. So that's already the system, and if I think making it more overt and acknowledging that instead of pretending otherwise is probably a good step. Hmm. Another now here's one that I disagreed with. Everybody else thought this was a good idea. We changed the impeachment process to try and clarify what the standards are, and to say that a, a, a president can be impeached for abusing his power as well as for illegality, which I think is correct. But I also thought that the president should be impeachable for either insanity or mental incompetence. And the other parties were uh, people in, involved in the project were were concerned about that because they were afraid that Congress might use that power to remove presidents based on pure political disagreement. 
I'm not worried about that. I think that the president should be removable based on political disagreement. I don't see anything wrong with that. The Congress is democratically elected, so I don't think that's an undemocratic thing. But everybody was against that. So yeah, I propose. I, I remember when we've talked about this back during the impeachments. Your feeling is we should have had more impeachments over the years, right? Yeah. Oh, far more impeachments than we've had. We've 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 impeached. If you add presidents and and uh, federal judges, we've impeached fewer than a hundred people in American history. Is it really the case? That there have been fewer than 100 public officials who have abused their power or been so incompetent that they deserve to be removed? I don't think so. I think a lot more deserve to be removed and just weren't. So, yeah, just to clarify, you do not have a problem with a president who's so unpopular with Congress. They say, look, this guy's a piece of crap. Let's call him crazy and just vote him out. Totally think that's perfectly legitimate to do. But so don't you end up with, so if you had a giant red wave, let's pick normal times, not the times we live in, but if we lived in normal times and you had a giant red wave right now, like Obama had the, I mean, well, that the reverse, but if you had a giant red wave right now, um, so they just get to boot out Biden because they got the numbers? I don't see why not. I, if the if the voters are that much against the president's party, then why not remove him? They're going. If Congress can find other ways to stymie the president's uh, efforts if they're that opposed to him anyway, they can you know eliminate his powers. They could deprive him of funding. They can do all these other things. Why not allow them to impeach him and replace him with somebody that everybody else can get along with? I think that would be perfectly. If Donald Trump had been impeached and removed from office, he would have been replaced by another Republican. It's not like it would have been another. Uh, all of a sudden, the Democrats own the White House. Mike Pence. To become president, sure. so it wouldn't have. So I don't. I don't think that's really a major concern. And I. I, I think the re, the opposition is that they don't want the president to be just a figurehead of Congress. But I think we're at more risk of an of a of a dangerously independent president. Yeah. And and a democratic system should lean in favor of Congress, which is more democratic. I find that I mean, one my really goodness. interesting. Yeah. In the wake Another of one the. Of our amendments is, well, hang on a second. Before we forge yeah. ahead, I was going to say, in the wake of every single chief executive grabbing more and more power and making more and more extreme executive actions over the last, you know, 30 years, uh, I, I, I get the appeal of that. Um, do we have two left, Tim? Oh, uh, I think we got three left. Oh, They're three kind, left. Some I... of them are kind of boring, so I won't talk about it. <laughs> I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Tim participated in a radical back and owl recently in which they shredded the Constitution, set fire to the uh, the shreds, and proposed changes to the sacred document. For instance, Tim believes the government should be able to force you to quarter troops. <laughs> you got to stay somewhere, right? <laughs> you know, this all brings to mind the episode The Omega Glory in which Captain Kirk quotes it from the constitution's preamble in a dramatic climactic moment an episode that makes no sense until you realize it ought to have been the declaration of independence then the whole episode would have been great but anyway (laughs) you participated in a an exercise in which a bunch of smart people got together and said if we could change the constitution easily what would we change and we've gone through a, a couple of them if you didn't hear those grab the podcast Look for Armstrong and Getty on demand. What other changes did you want to make? Well, Joe is right. There was only two, not three left. And the other two are to uh, allow Congress what we call a legislative veto, which which means allow Congress to block the president from taking actions that are, you know, not necessarily law kind of actions. So, for example, um, the the president is in charge of all the regulatory agencies, everything from the EPA to the, you know, TSA. And those agencies often make regulations or rules that aren't technically law, but are, you know, binding on people. And this is a, a big problem, of course, because these agencies are really largely undemocratic bureaucrats just coming up with rules to impose on the rest of us. So we wanted to allow Congress broader authority to block that from happening when they think that that ought not to be the case. So we gave Congress the power to block executive actions. Now, the term executive actions would also include things like deploying troops. Mm. If the president decides to send the military to some foreign country without a declaration of war, Congress could come in and and veto that. And that's the term we use is veto. So... I wasn't really turned on by this amendment myself. I mean, the other members of the team were re- were really into this. 
personally, I don't think this changes a lot because Congress can already do that, frankly. Congress could already pass a law to block all of these things from happening. And it doesn't do that because Congress honestly loves to wash its hands of responsibility. Yep. They love it when the agencies do things because then they can claim, oh, it wasn't me. I didn't vote for the thing you know, and pretend that they're innocent. So I don't think that that accomplishes a lot, but it also doesn't hurt. So I voted in favor of that. Was it just a, a simple majority or a super majority? The way that we uh, oh, the, our proposal is to allow a simple majority of the of both houses of Congress to veto any executive action. I'm kind of surprised Team Liberal voted for that. Yeah, I, me too. But there, I think they were concerned about things like the you know the president sending troops overseas and things like that too. And then our final amendment was to make it easier to amend the Constitution. It's very hard to amend hmm. the U.S. Constitution. And there's a, there's a, if you're a libertarian like me, you think probably right away, you're like, well, I want it to be hard to change the Constitution. Well, that's not necessarily the case. You might want to make it easier for this reason. If you don't amend the Constitution, judges will find ways of perverting the existing Constitution to allow something to happen that they shouldn't allow to happen. And then that sets a precedent for the future. So, for example, it would have been better if the Constitution had been amended to, co- to make things like Social Security or the, uh, the, uh, the, the regulatory welfare state agencies, to put those into the Constitution would have been a better thing than what happened in the 1930s, which is that the Supreme Court changed how it interpreted the Constitution to allow these things to happen. By changing the interpretation of the existing terms, you open the door to all sorts of craziness, to come in the in the decades to follow. So Interesting. It's better to amend the. It's better to have bad amendments to the Constitution than to allow the courts to pervert the existing language to allow bad things to happen. So we decided to make it easier to amend the Constitution, and one of the ways that we do that is by saying that if the ma- majority of the entire country is in favor of the amendment, then that's uh, then that's good enough even if a number of states don't vote for it. The way that the current amendment is done is calculated by states, Mm -hmm. which means, of course, that that states with very few people like Wyoming, they get the same kind of vote as a state like California with a huge number of people. We think that there should be a way that the the total population of the United States counts instead of doing it on a state-by-state basis. So we, we moderated the language a little bit to kind of make it slightly easier to amend the U.S. Constitution. That brings up an obvious question. How do you feel about the Electoral College, which is a similar idea? Well, I think there's been the best argument I've heard is proposal that I've heard for changing the Electoral College is to eliminate the people and just change it to a point system so that you automatically get points based on what states you win. And those are calculated like an automatic Electoral College. And that gets rid of the problem of faithless electors. Hey, we're we're almost out of time. Give me a letter grade for the Founding Fathers on the Constitution as they wrote it. What what do you give them? Oh, oh, a solid A. Not an A-plus, but a solid A. There you go. And like an old-timey A, not an inflated modern A. Yeah. Not. Oh, yeah. No, not not a feel-good kind of uh, E for effort kind of A. <laughs> Tim Sandifer is... Some of them don't even get that. Some of them went home without actually doing their work. <laughs> Tim Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute. Really interesting stuff, Tim. Thanks for the time, as always. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, guys. Armstrong and Getty. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. 
We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.